Hi, this is Era, the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast, where I learn about, celebrate, and discuss hot topics with creators from all over the world. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hi, everyone. This is Era from the Tamil Creator, uh, episode three, and today we're going to be chatting with Delani Rabendran. Before I butcher anything else, why don't we start <laughs> off the uh, discussion today with a bit about yourself? Sure. So thanks for having me on the show, Era. I'm very happy to be here. Congrats on the show. Uh, so my name is Delani and I run a Viewfinder Film Consulting. So it's a independent uh, consulting firm that I started in 2016 that markets and sells independent South Asian movies around the world. And I started it while I was living in India and working there, but I transitioned to running it here from my home in in Canada. Um, I'm also full-time. I work for Cineplex as a manager of marketing partnerships uh, and do a couple of other things on the side too. That's awesome. And I should have actually said this first, but I actually first heard about Delani. Well, she was writing a few things for TC, but I'm a big fan of film. I love people that are creative. I'm not creative at all. Um, So I found it really amazing that you were in that space, but kind of from like a business perspective, and which I find mm-hmm. interesting as well. So that's a bit of kind of how I learned about you. And yeah. I just kind of been just keeping an eye on like what you've been up to. And I think we also connected because I believe you either helped produce or part of a launch at TIFF of a movie called Kakamutere, uh, right? Yeah, so I can't take any credit for producing that movie. Oh, gosh, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, Danush and Vetrimaran produced that. But I was working for the Toronto International Film Festival at the time, yeah. um, assisting with South Asian programming, and I helped choose that film. So I chose Kakamurde to have its world premiere in Toronto in 2014. And uh, director Mani Handan, it was his first movie. When he came to Toronto, uh, we just became fast friends and he's still a mentor to this day. And a lot of my work in the field and why I went to India to get uh, film production experience and everything was all, you know, in with the help of him. And I worked with his team when I was there. And so, yeah, Kakamurte is a really big milestone, I think, in my career and really helped jump off, a, a, like start a lot of things from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I miss TIFF. I like I miss the energy of going. Yeah, me too. TIFF, so yeah, we, the virtual version last fall was I mean, it was nice because we still got a lot of, um, you know, exciting new movies to watch online. But it's it's not the same as, you know, being in the even the lineups. I even miss the long yes. lineups to just get into a venue. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the anticipation when you think about it, for example, going on a trip. The trip is half the fun. The other half is kind of talking about, I'm going to go on a yeah. trip. So. I also really like planning. Um, yeah. And like TIFF planning used to be like vacation planning for me because I would have my crazy schedules of like to make sure I didn't miss like any of the movies I wanted to and run between public screenings and press screenings and everything. So like, yeah, I really, I missed that part. <laughs> tell us a bit more about Viewfinder Film Consulting. I know you kind of hit on it a bit, but tell us... Mm-hmm. I'm interested in maybe users as well or viewers would be like, how do you make money from it? Like, how does somebody make money in the film space? Well, I mean, part of the reason I I moved back to Canada and and, um, went back to full-time work after moving back here and, you know, it was because it's hard to earn rupees and like live in dollars, right? So uh, naturally, uh, but how does VFC operate? So we uh, represent films, mainly I would say the 
biggest arm of our business is representing films for film festivals. So when I was working at TIFF, uh, like I mentioned, I assisted with South Asian programming. And through that, I met directors like Manigandan and after I met Manana, um, when he came to Toronto, like he helped me realize that, well, first of all, he was just really happy and surprised that there was a, a young Tamil girl <laughs> working at TIFF that chose his movie and who knew who like who Danush and Metramayan and all those people were. Yeah. Um, and he he basically told me like, you know, what you did for our film, like there's so many other filmmakers I know who need help like this, like that advocating for them basically to two international film festivals and programmers. So when Maniana went back home after TIFF, uh, he just started telling my name to a lot of the filmmakers he knew. And they started reaching out to me independently, asking me if I would help them with, you know, packaging their film for international markets. So whether that was film festivals or buyers from abroad. Um, and that's how it got started. I was doing that independently um, on the side while working full time. And after I left my full-time job at TIFF and decided to go to India to get film production experience, which I did in, in 2016, uh, when I got there, I just had so many more filmmakers coming to meet me uh, from different states, from different language businesses, not just Tamil films, who were like, hey, you're the one who helped, you know, take these films. We need your help, too. So just being there and seeing how many more filmmakers were interested in the service Really, Money and I sat down and we were like, okay, this is this is something. Like, I don't think I realized how much of a market there was until I got there. Mm -hmm. So he he just advised me. He was like, you know what? I think you should do this like a real thing, you know, full time or just make it more formal than what you're kind of just independently doing out of passion and volunteering on the side. So I did that. I started VSC. Um, and so our mission is to help filmmakers find their focus, but mainly it's about helping them find more international audiences that might not have got to see their film, um, you know, if, if they weren't already, if they didn't speak the language, you know, like I think now about how many audiences, most of the people who came to see Kakumurte at TIFF, to be honest, like they were not Tamil, right? Like, I don't know if you were at any of the screenings, but um, when we were up there, yeah, I think you were, I remember us meeting there, right? But like, most of the crowd was not Tamil or South Asian, really. It was is majorly non-South Asian people. And they were they were drawn in by the, you know, the poster, the synopsis, the the pitch that was written for it at the, you know, in the TIFF programming booklet. And they loved it. Like the audiences, you know, I remember this, I remember the screening sold out, but the amount of people that came up to us after the movie was done to be like, we love this. Like, how can we see more movies like this? You know, I want it, I want to bring that kind of experience to so many more audiences. So yeah, so I started UFC when I was there. And since then, uh, we've represented over 45 movies. We've taken them to maybe a hundred and 10 or 20 odd festivals and we've sold quite a few or helped the producers and directors sell quite a few to Amazon and Netflix. Uh, so, and some shorts that we represented as well are available on some uh, YouTube channels such as, you know, Gautam Menon's YouTube channel even has some of the shorts that we've repped before. So it's great. I'm so happy that I made that decision. It was completely, I wouldn't say completely, but somewhat spontaneous. I did not go to India, nor did I foresee myself 
starting a business before I went there. Um, but yeah, you know, four five years later, very happy that I did. Uh, but yeah, when I moved back home, um, 2016, 17, I decided I focused on BFC for a while, uh, full-time. And then I went back to full-time work again here in Canada in 2018. Got it. Well, I mean, I, I really like the mission of what you you just described. I feel like there's a real appetite for foreign films, especially after Parasite won best film. And like, mm-hmm. I think just generally people, I think people also love movies like movie goers because it lets them kind of experience other kinds of um, things or like, you know, see different parts of the world, see other cultures yeah. without leaving where they are. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a real, I think th- that demand will only go up. Um, do you see kind of your business pivoting in the sense that there's not really film festivals happening? Maybe in the next couple of years, it'll start mm-hmm. start up again. But uh, has it pivoted to like more so representing films to getting in on maybe like digital platforms like a Netflix or yeah, like how do you see it changing based on the current environment? Yeah. So, so like I mentioned before, we have helped with the sale of a couple of films to Amazon and Netflix. Right. Uh, so that was always like a function of the business, but my primary, I'd say what my expertise has been, has always been more with the film festival pitching and marketing to that particular arena. Uh, So I don't think film festivals are going away. It's just that unfortunately with COVID, Mm -hmm. a lot of the smaller ones just, you know, won't, you know, they won't maybe won't make it through just because funding has been cut back for a lot of those kind of um, ventures, right? So of course the Goliaths, I think they'll be all right. It's just a matter of time before we can get back to that fully in-person version, right? Until then we've got these hybrids or we've got entirely online. I don't think that festivals will go away entirely. So I don't think that like the aim of our business will necessarily go away. But to be honest, I always also, I shouldn't say always, but in the last few years, I've realized that I also want to progress this business into a production company, which Mm -hmm. is what we've been doing recently. So um, as of last year, we finished our first production. It was a short film called uh, Tite or Untouchability. And that is currently doing its rounds at film festivals right now. So we've had about five selections, two more to come that we can't announce just yet. Um, And we're actually playing right now on demand at the South Asian Film Festival of America. So they have a virtual festival going on right now. So you can buy a pass online and watch a whole bunch of wonderful shorts and features until March 19th, I believe. Um, So look for us there where we're on the shorts program and we're called Untouchability. That's awesome. And what does production, okay, so what I, you hear the term a lot, like you're a producer of um, a film or a show. What does that mm-hmm. actually mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's actually a couple of, there's different types of producing, right? Like, and it's funny because I have learned um, from years of working between both markets of like Canada and India that uh different, different, uh, producing means different things in different countries or industries. So in India, a producer, if you say they're the producer, often it just means they give the money and they're not involved like at all. They're just literally the financier. Right. But here in Canada, a producer is usually way more involved in the creative development, like, uh, you know, from the story arc to every little bit, you know, casting and all the decisions. So in India too, there are producers like that as well, but sometimes a producer can mean just arm's length, like here's your money. So 
I also have to remember that when we, when we literally for, for our short untouchability, you know, we say I'm the producer cause I did, I funded it and I was involved from a creative perspective, but at a distance, I wasn't there every day during filming. I wasn't a line producer, meaning I wasn't helping with the day-to-day coordination. Uh, but I did have final say on the, on the creative output and, um, of course on how the funds were used. So, I'm a producer in that sense. Now, if it was happening here in Canada, I would probably have been more involved in the filming and everything. And then my title might've been slightly different, maybe creative producer or executive or line versus just producer. So it depends on the industry and the, um, the country you're talking about, actually. So can you tell us a bit more about the actual film itself? Short, yeah, the short. Um, so yeah, Tite uh, was great or is great. Um, so it's directed and written by Harish Narayan. And uh, Harish was the winner of our very first script competition. So in, um, I'm trying now, all the dates are blurring together in my mind <laughs> because of COVID, but I believe it was 2019. He won our very first edition um, of what I, so I started a fund in my late father's name. It's called the Ayakuti Rabindran Short Film Fund. Fund. And so for that fund, we started a script competition to solicit short film scripts from around the world. And we picked a first prize winner and a second prize winner. And the first prize winner would get their film financed uh, using a prize or a fund money set aside from this fund that I started in my dad's name. So Harish was the very first winner. And um, we loved his uh his short, his idea. I thought it was topical. It was hard hitting. And it is about the unfortunate persistence of the caste system in India, mm. even in really metropolitan parts of Chennai. And it's a, it's a, it's a less than seven minute short, but trust me in those seven minutes, uh, it says a lot. So um, I'm very, very happy with all the selections that we've got um, from festivals and and the wonderful feedback we get from programmers who are so excited to put it in their showcase. Um, and I think just the fact that it could say so much in that short amount of time gives you a little insight into, you know, how powerful it is. So we are hoping after um, after we have another international premiere in the summer that we'll be releasing on a YouTube channel or a potentially a, a shorts platform like a like an app uh, in India so stay tuned Tito will be available for public viewing like later this year I'm excited I can't wait to see it so beyond films I know that you're creative in general just based on kind of you know um, your website as well so I know you've written for Tamil culture and you've written for mm-hmm. a few other platforms uh, can you tell us about some of the writing work you're doing um, like you know I think you did behind woods and I think with juggernaut now yeah um, so you do film, you do writing, like, what don't you do? Like, tell us a bit about <laughs> I don't sleep. No, I'm just, no, I'm just joking. No, COVID has actually helped me get a lot more rest and sleep. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, writing work. Yeah, I'm very happy right now. I currently write once in a while um, for The Juggernaut, uh, which is, I an a publication that I really admire. So they're a US-based magazine. Uh, Snigda, the young woman who started it, is really enterprising and and wonderful. And I I was very happy. The opportunity to write for it actually came up late in uh, 2020. And since then, I've only written three pieces, but I I really am glad for the, for the, let's say for that format and for that audience to be able to write for them. It's very different from any of the publications that I've written for before. Uh, I did start my uh, writing journey, I should say in 2013 with Behind Woods. Yeah. Um, So what's interesting is that 
behind woods is actually probably exactly why or how I got my foot into the Indian film industry. So I started writing as a columnist to their only columnist from North America. Um, and I had a column called East meets West at the time. And it was, you know, giving my Canadian perspective on Tamil movies. Uh, so it was interesting because behind woods has a really large, you know, consumer base as well. So it was really great because I, I knew that my writing was being read by people around the world. And I, I love that. Uh, but it was writing for Behind Woods that actually got me noticed at TIFF when I was already working there full time. But in finance, um, the programming team there actually noticed my writing getting more and more popular for Behind Woods. And they reached out to ask me if I would be interested in helping to program South Asian films because they knew they had a really good understanding of Hindi and Bollywood, but uh, they were looking to expand their knowledge of South Indian cinema for their programming. So uh, in a roundabout way, Behind Woods helped me, um, you know, move up and get more opportunities at TIFF. And I think as my, you know, as my responsibilities at TIFF grew, it just kind of increased my profile in writing as a weird chicken before the egg, or I don't know what it is, but, but it, yeah, I owe a lot to my, my writing career. So I was really excited to get back into writing at the end of last year with, with Juggernaut. And yeah, like you mentioned before, I've written for Tamil culture um, as well in between. I really, really enjoyed getting to chronicle my travels while I was living and working in Chennai um, for Tamil culture. Uh, so that was a really, and now I think back on it, it's like a good time capsule. Like it's a good way to remember and uh, kind of look back on that time as well. What I find really fascinating about what you just mentioned about the behind woods and the TIFF connection is I think a lot of people like you try to plan for things, like you're going to try to be strategic, but sometimes you can't really plan for these things. Like, you do stuff you enjoy, you put it out there, and then, you know, um, the right people in the right network will kind of find your work. And even with TC, like, there's people when I've traveled, like, across the world that have stumbled across our stuff. And, like, it's, like, the strangest connection to, like, how they found out about TC. So um, I thought that was really interesting what you mentioned about the Behind Woods and TIFF connection. Um, you talked about Chennai, um, and, you know, I thought you were still living there, so... And, uh, we're a little bit out of touch right now it's probably because I, <laughs> I was reading about the tc articles but um <laughs> something i'm very curious about is i've never been to chennai i mm -hmm. I, I grew up in sri lanka i don't remember that as well either but there's a lot of misconceptions i think about someone that's living in the west and what they perceive say chennai like mm -hmm. i like for me i don't know if i see it as this big um modern metropolitan metropolitan city but like I know people that have gone there and it's like amazing like you know there's it's like a Tokyo it's like a you know London so can you tell me your experience and like even misconceptions that you hear about Chennai and what you actually experienced so I miss Chennai a lot <laughs> I so what's funny is that we're we're talking today we're recording on the 11th of March yeah. and exactly a year ago today I landed in Chennai Wow. Uh, in the morning. And by that night uh, in Indian time, uh, I was getting calls from my loved ones and everyone back home about how schools were shut down here, work got closed, and the, and the World Health Organization had just named it a pandemic, right? So my mom had come with me. Uh, this was my first time back in Chennai after three years. I was really excited to reunite with my friends, and I had a lot of meetings booked for VFC. And, uh, and then there we were, you know? 
well, we're in a pandemic. And so what we did was we booked the first flight out that we could get to come back home because we just had a feeling that, you know, I was supposed to stay for a month and I, we just had a feeling, you know, there might be a problem getting back home. So I left within 48 hours, you know, so I had literally two days this time last year in Chennai. I got to see some of my very closest friends for a very short period of time, you know, shout out to my Chennai crew. They're the best, um, you know, and so it breaks my heart now to think about that, but, but yeah, I loved living in Chennai. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I certainly missed home and, you know, like any person I think felt homesick and there were certain things obviously that are always going to be very different between living here in Canada and living there. Uh, but I really enjoyed it um, for the experience that it was. Um, I had the fortune of having these really wonderful friends there who looked out for me. And so I very, and a lot of my friends were also from, they were from surrounding areas of Tamil Nadu, or they were from Bangalore or something, and they were living and working in Chennai. So it was a lot of people who were there on their own, you know, pursuing their careers, most mm. of us w- within film. And so it was, it was great because we were all kind of like each other's, you know, local family unit there in Chennai. So, I mean, I think a lot of people um, might think, I, I do feel I've heard and read that there's a lot of misconceptions that Chennai is like uber traditional compared to other parts of India, or it's not as like fun and modern or something like that. And I completely disagree. I do think that, yes, it's, it's maybe not it's not like there's as many pubs or clubs as there would be in like Mumbai or Delhi or things like that, or Bangalore even, but Chennai is like really, really happening in its own right. I personally loved the arts and culture, just passion that's there. You know, one of my favorite things to do was to go see the uh, theater performances, you know, plays, improv and um, dance performances often with my friends there. Uh, I really miss that. And so for me, I know some people might think, oh, or I have heard the, the stories, you know, it's not as, you know, modern. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe in certain things you could see maybe in the, the ways that people dress or, or you know, maybe women in particular com- comparatively with Chennai compared to Bangalore, Mumbai or things like that. But I don't know, for me, Chennai was great. It was like the perfect balance of fun city life and also that quiet. I wouldn't say quiet because I lived on a very busy street, but um, but, you know, to be like a good balance of, of that tradition um, with modernism, you know. What's a comparable city that's in the West, like in North America, that you could see huh. fairly similar? <laughs> it's close to, I don't, I, I don't know. Can I say Mississauga? Maybe that's why it fit me so well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not really sure. That's a good question. I don't think I've traveled enough of North America to find that perfect comparison. But all I can say is I really I really liked Chennai. I really li- like living there. Um, I found that it had the right pockets of, you know, excitement and fun. And then you have your quiet, relaxing, peaceful areas too, like even the beach, right? I remember you could have so much fun at like a, a hot spot by the beach, but you could also get that beautiful nature and just kind of serene, quieter areas too. And I think that's what I like about it way more. I've been to Mumbai, I've been to Delhi, I've been to Bangalore. I do like Bangalore a lot too, but I definitely felt like Delhi and Mumbai with, for me, were a bit too congested. Like it is really crowded city. So Chennai had that nice, you know, open space as well. I guess it sounds like to me, uh, my favorite country to visit has been Japan. Mm-hmm. It feels like Tokyo is kind of like Bangalore or Mumbai. And I mm-hmm. think like Chennai is probably like Kyoto. 
Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I have so, to talk to my to my people who have been to Japan a bit more and and do some dissecting and see if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, based, well, based on how you described it, like that mix yeah. of <laughs> nature and uh, city, sounds mm-hmm. like it. So that's pretty cool. I know you kind of touched on this with, you know, you have this group of friends in Chennai. You guys are kind of all pursuing careers in the creative arts. I know there's still a misconception, not misconception. I would say it wasn't viewed positively to have a career in the creative arts space, I would say. Like, not like, you know, like a doctor, a lawyer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is changing now that, like, I think people are re- realizing the importance of creative arts in the kind of, in anybody's day-to-day, like whether it's music, film, um, you know, books, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not 100% sure if I could say that the opinion of it is changing in older generations. So maybe in our parents or grandparents' generations, I think it's all about, you know, their, their approval or their support or encouragement of it, I think depends on how that person is pursuing it. So I can only speak, I think it's better that I speak from my own perspective. So for example, for me, I did my undergraduate degree in science and mathematics, and then I went on to do my MBA, um, pursuing my MBA, knowing that I wanted it to act as a bridge between my undergrad degree and getting into the business side of film and entertainment. So if I had gone about that in a different way, I mean, my parents are wonderful. They were always extremely supportive of what I did, but I also know that I did it in a very, um, I wouldn't say low risk, but it was like a, a calculated manner. Like my MBA is a universal degree. I know that had, had I not been able to get something within the film and entertainment world, I could take that degree and and work in a a multitude of industries. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in that regard, there wasn't that like worry, like, Oh, what are you going to do if you can't get something in, in this field? Like your degree or your background is entirely dependent on you getting a job in that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. had it, had it been a different path or a way to get here, I'm not sure, but I'd like to think they would be supportive, but I know that I myself was really risk averse for a long time. Right. So I went about doing things and, you know, pursuing my degree and job, uh, jobs in a very planned and, you know, manner. Right. So for me, I know my parents are supportive because they knew that I knew what I was doing and that I was, I was going to be fine no matter what. Right. But if I had say told them at age 16, I was going to run off to be an actress in Tamil movies Mm -hmm. or, or (laughs) wanted to be, or wanted to be like a, or wanted to go to film school. I I still like to think that I, I believe that they'd be supportive, but I know that I wasn't that person who, who, who was ready to go that far away, you know, stray that far away from the traditional path at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And you talked about mitigating risks. So I guess that's part of the reason why you're also, you have a full-time job at Cineplex, but it's also, mm-hmm. it seems like it's aligned with your passions with, uh, mm-hmm. right? So tell us more about that job. Yeah. So, um, full, so I work in, uh, I'm a manager of marketing partnerships there. So it means I handle the parts of our business that do these promotions and partnerships with other corporations. So things like when you go to the grocery store and see cereal boxes and say, you know, buy a couple of cereal boxes and return, turn them in for Cineplex passes, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and also, uh, in particular, helping to lead our the expansion of a lot of our online digital business, because uh, we do have our own streaming platform uh, mm-hmm. for transactional transactional business uh, called the Cineplex Store. So I joined Cineplex in late 2019. So it was about six months or 
five months before the pandemic hit. Um, and it was a whirlwind of a time to be honest, like COVID like through our team or my team's business into overdrive, uh, cause of the streaming platform naturally. So it's been really, really, uh, go, go, go since the start of the pandemic. And I, I really love the team I work with. Uh, we're really adaptable and we're really, you know, everyone's, everyone's working there out of a passion for film and entertainment as well. So I really like being a part of a group like that. So, yeah, I, I definitely, intentionally pursue these nine to five or these full-time jobs that are still in the film and media sector. Cause I do feel that it all helps, you know, build my overall uh, portfolio. And I don't think I would be necessarily as satisfied or happy in life if my nine to five was something completely unrelated to film. And I had to, uh, you know, do everything related to media and, and movies only, you know, after hours. Mm, got it. Obviously, we're like on a podcast. So what uh, I guess is there are other forms of kind of sharing information. Uh-huh. I was curious. I always like to ask everybody, is there like a book or other podcasts that like you listen to that have like really made a big impact on kind of the way you think or behave? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my so to be really honest, I. I used to read a lot more <laughs> years <laughs> ago. And then for a long time, I barely read anything I, except for like my exception was I always made time to read the books of my favorite um, comedians or fa- favorite uh, comedians turned authors. So some of my favorite books are the ones by uh, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey or, you know, Mindy Kaling's book, books and things like that. So I um, recently got back into reading, you know, uh, thank you. Thank you, pandemic. And <laughs> um, I recently read Ali Wong's book called Dear Girls, which is kind of like her letters to her daughters mm. about how she got into comedy, uh, the things that she's learned along the way. Um, it's written a lot like her standup, which I really like too. So I really enjoyed that. If I could, I, I don't know if I could pick out one particular book that I've read recently that maybe completely changed the way, um, I live, but, but I do enjoy reading the work of, um, successful women in the entertainment business in particular, uh, podcast wise, um, I now host a new podcast called The Attitude. Um, that is a division of Pink Attitude Evolution. So that's a nonprofit here in Canada that helps promote South Asian women and their endeavors and also does a lot of good uh, in the community raising uh, donations and funds for, for worthwhile causes. So I'm really glad we actually just launched our show this week. So I'm really excited about our journey. And I think just being a part of that team in the last like six months and helping to get that initiative off the ground has really taught me a lot about myself because I used to host a podcast in India called uh, one by two uh, with raga.com. And we were a really small team, you know, me and my producer and, and a lot of it was, you know, me doing everything I'm sure in the way that you're doing right now. (laughs) And, um, and now being a part of the attitude on a bigger team with, you know, a producer, producer, audio engineer, and everybody who have great experience from, from TV and, and other ventures here in Canada, I just, I think it's, it's so nice to be a part of a bigger unit and not have to do everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. I know, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but um, I'm working with them has really helped, you know, shape, I think a lot of me and, and a lot of growth in the last couple of months, because it's just been an entirely new, an entirely new experience compared to my podcasting or, or projects I've been a part of before. 
So speaking of growth, what's like a new belief or a behavior that's kind of really helped you, you know, get to the next level, right? Whether it's per- personally or professionally. Hmm. Delegating, you know, <laughs> so VFC, um, you know, when I started VFC, it was very much a one woman show and I started to grow it by recruiting a lot of freelancers and, you know, part-time help. And, uh, And it has become so imperative for me to get that help when I need it, not only to just balance the workload, but also to bring in new perspectives, because sometimes, you know, there's a movie I'll watch and I'll love. And then, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, I have high hopes for it. I think of the the journey that we can have with it for festivals and things like that. And then, you know. I, I need that some, I need that other, other people's opinions to make sure that I'm not overshooting something or mm-hmm. undervaluing something, you know, like film, like film criticism and uh, evaluation is all subjective. Right. And uh, so a lot of the work that BFC does, it is entirely based on my opinion and <laughs> it is subjective. <laughs> and I say that to, to filmmakers every time, you know, I make a decision on whether I will or will not represent their film. You know, I always tell them, this is my personal opinion. Um, you're welcome. Say, I say, I'm not interested in representing their films or festivals. I always tell them, you know, this is my opinion. If you still want to pursue that uh, festivals, it's obviously it's completely up to you. Um, so I'm never offended if, if, you know, a film that I, I'm not interested in working with at the time, um, you know, chooses another person's services, but I'm really, really fortunate that most of the films I've repped to date, those filmmakers appreciate my work and they bring it back. Right. And bring it back to me. So I do like having a team I can delegate to and, and seek the opinion of, because it makes sure that I'm not, um, also, you know, um, being, uh, what's the word? Like my, um, my opinions aren't biased, especially if it's working with a, a filmmaker I've worked with before. And maybe I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I like this movie too, but you know, maybe it's not as strong as the first one. Like I need those other opinions to help, um, make, th- make decisions now, I think. And, and it's, and it's, I think it's only helped make me more, um, what's the word productive with my time. Um, not only getting their help, but just making sure I'm only taking part excuse me, I'm only taking part in the, the right projects, you know, the ones that deserve our time too. It sounds easy what you said, but it's a really hard skill. That Delegating? Of, oh yeah. yeah, yeah so, so hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. Especially most- when you're like, I, I do call myself, I think I'm much better now, but I am yeah. a self self-professed control freak. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So obviously we're both Tamil and, you know, for me, it's a big part of like my identity and how I view myself. How do you feel about like Tamil and like that? like Tamil is being part of your identity and I guess mm-hmm. being part of both the Toronto and Chennai community briefly, like what has been the impact of both cities and the communities there uh, on you personally and from a business perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, I always, um, I was born and raised here in Canada. My parents and my brother came here from Sri Lanka before I was born. So I identify as Canadian, um, Sri Lankan or Canadian Tamil, because for me, I, I think growing up here is a big reason you know, is a big part of my success, right? My, the opportunities that were available to me through education and through the things that my parents uh, put me in when I was young, like music and dance and all those things, you know, like they all helped to shape my cultural identity. So, um, 
I am very fortunate for the opportunities I had um, that helped me discover, you know, more about being South Asian, right? Uh, I I regret that when I was growing up, Tamil class wasn't as popular or wasn't as widespread, because had it been, I would be way more fluent than I am (laughs) now, you know? Um, So so for me being Tamil, uh, I think it's, it's enveloped within my identity uh, when I describe myself as a Canadian South Asian woman. Yeah. With regards to Toronto and Chennai, like Chennai was really, really a wonderful time in my life. It's a city that I plan to return to, uh, often again when, or hopefully <laughs> once, you know, travel is able to, is possible again. Um, but to me, it, it's like a second home, um, because of the experiences and the people that I have there. But for me, Toronto and, and Canada is, is truly home. You know, it, it's, it's, I can't really imagine. It was a wonderful chance to get to live in, and work in India, but I can't imagine really being there full time necessarily away from here, uh, away from my family and, and my unit here. Yeah. Okay. Um, you talked about a few people, like you talked about reading books um, about like entertainers or uh, women in the entertainment space. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess my next question kind of leads to that, which is who's one person, I kind of can guess your answers, but who is one person from the global Tamil community that you admire? Um, yeah. And who's one person that isn't Tamil that you admire? Okay. And, and why? And they have to be from the entertainment space? No, like no, public. They can be they from, don't have... I was just guessing, but maybe I'm completely <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, you probably guessed right. Um, I, I do really admire Mindy Kaling. I really, you know, I admire her as a storyteller, as a writer, as one of the, you know, few writers of color that was in the writer's room on one of the greatest shows ever made, like The Office and um, working at NBC at a young age at the time that she was. And transitioning to be a producer and showrunner of her own with like Mindy Project and and now with a producer with Never Have I Ever and the other shows that she has in the works you know I really really admire her work in the field um I if I was younger I would definitely apply to be an intern for her, <laughs> for her. um but you know I yeah she's certainly somebody I admire um someone who's not Tamil that I admire, um, in the entertainment space. Uh, there's quite a few, uh, if I had to narrow in on, on one, I, I particularly like Issa Rae and her work. Yes, I um, love. yeah, her, her show is awesome. Uh, what was it called? Yeah. Uh, insecure. Oh, yes. Insecure. Yeah. So good. So yeah. Good. And I, I just, I really admire these kind of, uh, these strong women that are in entertainment who are carving, you know, profound spaces for themselves and, and not necessarily adhering to just the, the, um, the old tropes of like typical TV writing or things like that. Right. Yeah. Side note about insecure. Like I absolutely love that show just because it's one of those shows. It's like watching, um, oh my goodness. Um, uh, Aziz Ansari. What was this? Oh, master of none. Another show I really liked. Because, and I wish there were more seasons of. <laughs> yes, I, th- I thought there would be. And like, I think I like both of those shows because it showed people of color, like, you know, think, think about Insecure, where yeah. it's not like these caricature, like, um, yeah. characters. It's, it's like normal people every day hear things that they Just, go through. Yeah. So like, yeah. 
I'm so happy you said master of, or Aziz, sorry, master of none. Cause that also reminded me, you know what I like, in addition to Issa Rae, I'd also like to say that one of the people I admire most is Donald Glover. Um, he is just one of my absolute favorite performers, acting music wise, uh, everything. So I really, really wish there was another season of Atlanta out. And I hope that one day he agrees to make one <laughs> because uh, it's one of my, that was one of my favorite shows and music wise, he's one of my favorite artists. Awesome. Um, I guess like the last question before we get into the fun speed round is um, in terms of your personal legacy, like you do a lot. Um, and like, I think people are going to really enjoy listening to this episode in a few sentences, like how would you describe the legacy you want to be remembered, like how you want to be remembered by friends and family? Well, interesting. Hmm. I think I would be happy being remembered as a strong advocate for creators. So I enjoy creating myself. I enjoy writing. Um, but I think that my strong suit lies more in helping, um, maybe undiscovered or just, um, talent or talented filmmakers who just deserve more attention, you know, helping to bring them more to the spotlight, helping to bring, uh, their work to international audiences. I think that's what gives me the most joy, to be honest. Um, and that's why I want to be a producer as well. So I would be happy if my legacy was about that. I was a champion for, for other creators. Um, well, we got the serious stuff out of the way <laughs> and it was amazing. I think people are going to really enjoy it. Like I was saying, so this round is, I call it different things, but today I'm going to call it, would you choose? And okay. I'm going to ask you two different things. You're going to pick one of them and you're going to tell me why. Okay. okay. Ready? So the first one's a light one. Mutton rolls or kothuroti? Oh, kothuroti. I because because there's a, because mutton rolls for me are sometimes hit or miss, and I basically True. like the pastry yeah. more than I do the filling. True. I can't handle too much spice, to be really honest. And sometimes mutton rolls just like set my mouth on fire. But kothuroti like has a special place in my heart. So. And what's your go-to place? For Ooh, okay. Now this changes because it kind of depends like for a while it's, you know, it's the spot near me, but I'm just going to give a shout out to like Appa's original, the new place that oh, opened yes. a couple of months ago, like yes. with yes. their fusion Kothuroti, like their seafood Kothuroti that my mm. lovely cousin Sabrina brought me around Christmas time. Like shout out to Sabrina for that. Like I dream about that seafood Kothuroti now. It's so good. <laughs> good to know. Movie star or successful producer? Oh, what does movie star mean, though? You can be a, uh, you can be a star producer. Um, okay, so maybe a I guess a better one would be: Would you rather be a Tina Fey or mm -hmm. my goodness, or uh, like a Maitri Ramakrishnan? Oh, she's so young and youthful. <laughs> Do I want to go back? Can I go back to her age? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tina Fey, you know, she is just, she's, she's, she's a boss lady. Yeah. Okay. Condo or house? Um, condo. Cause I don't want to mow. I hate shoveling snow right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so do you live in a condo, I guess, right now? No, right now. Um, no, I live in a house and, okay. and yeah, this winter, I, the February was not fun. Like every day of shoveling, right? <laughs> It's like, I'm, I feel like I love debating this question with like all my friends. Like, I feel like I'm mm -hmm. the only one that chooses, voluntarily chooses condo. I love condo. Okay. Living. <laughs> um, Toyota or Tesla? I don't, I don't know enough about cars, but okay. I, 
but people talk about Tesla to me all the time. So I'll say Tesla. If, I mean, if you're giving them away, Ara, I'll take a Tesla. <laughs> like, <laughs> this question is kind of basically to kind of gauge, are you toyed as like practical? Tesla is like, you know. Uh, oh, over nice the top. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I wish I had. Okay, let's put it this way. I'll say Tesla because I hope that I have the money to buy a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there a, a Tamil creator that, you know, has really caught your eye in the last couple of years that maybe you want to give a shout out to? Yeah. So there's a lot of really great, uh, Tamil creators right here in Toronto that, you know, I think are, are hustling hard and, and there's so many like various businesses I've seen crop up even during pandemic and things like that. I think the Canadian Tamil Professional Association does a really good job uh, and Tamil culture, like you guys do a great job of highlighting these, these people. Um, someone else I I'd love to give a shout out to is my brother. Uh, so my brother, Krish Ravindran, he, or, um, Anton Ravindran, depending on how you know him, <laughs> he does a really great job of, he has a design company called human rights design. He does custom watches, uh, jewelry and furniture. And I really admire him for balancing like his passion with, you know, being a father of twin boys, being a great husband and, and, uh, father and, you know, a high up full-time position, um, as well. Like, you know, if it means that he's up at 5am welding, like he's happy to do it because I think he's a really good example of if you have passion, then there will be enough hours in the day, you know, to pursue it. That's awesome. Maybe we'll get him. Maybe we'll chat with him as well. And shout out to my fellow twin dad as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last question. And I think this might be the toughest. Actually, no, maybe not. Toronto or Chennai? Oh, Toronto. I mean, I miss, again, I miss Chennai. I miss all my Chennai friends if you're listening (laughs) to this. Um, But Toronto is home. Uh, I I have a huge family, wonderful friends and a beautiful um, unit. So I really, really don't imagine living away from from my circle from my bubble right now mm. shout out to my bubble <laughs> some of those answers i expected some of them i didn't so i learned something new was it the uh, kothroti mutton rolls one yeah that was like a <laughs> the, it really it really stumped me but you know to each their own yeah i guess the last part of kind of today's chat will be you know you've kind of talked about all the things you're doing um maybe leave uh, listeners with kind of a few of the projects that you want to kind of highlight. So you talked about the film that, you, you know, it's being streamed on demand in different film mm-hmm. festivals. Um, you know, where can people find you? What else are you kind of working on? Yeah, tell us about that. Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Delani underscore R. So it's D-I-L-A-N-I underscore R. And, uh, or you can visit my website at DelaniRabindran.com. What I'm working on right now, like I mentioned, part a, I'm part of a new brand new podcast that just launched this week called The Attitude. And the aim of that show is to inspire and motivate South Asian women in their careers and endeavors. And I'm really, really excited about co-hosting that show with, um, with a, and, you know, being a part of a great team. Uh, other projects are things that I'm working on. So I, was recently selected as one of 12 candidates from across Canada to uh, be a part of the Real World Producer Program. So it is a program presented by the Real World Film Festival and Screen Institute, um, sponsored by Bell Media. And so they are developing or helping the 12 of us develop into TV producers. So hopefully by the end of this year, um, I may be pitching shows to networks and broadcasters here in Canada. And who knows, maybe I will, you know, 
get closer to being a Mindy Kaling in some time. <laughs> Maybe you'll create your own Kim's Convenience. Maybe. I mean, I, well, I know. Did you hear about the news? There's oh, no more oh sixth season. Are you so sad? I uh, was fully watching the latest episode, like before our recording, by the way. Oh, really? I got yeah. that tonight, I think. Yeah. We, yeah. It was, that was definitely a show that I never expected to like as much as I did. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of, I just saw like, I think anybody that's like an immigrant would just mm-hmm. kind of identify with the show. Even they call the parents Amma and Appa, which is. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of um, Korean friends and I remember I, when I learned that years ago, I was like, did you know we call our parents like the same <laughs> thing? It's it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, I think you're going to get definitely a lot of people reaching out to you. Um, you know, this was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. You know, maybe we'll, we'll have you on again. Maybe once you uh, go through this program and you pitch your first show, we'd love to kind of get enough. Yeah, re- yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.